All right, here we go, Wrestling With Theology fans. We are digging deeper into the Psalms. This week, we are looking at Psalm 37. As we look at this, we see that God never forsakes his people, regardless of what they do, as long as they do eventually come around in repentance. So the superscription is really simple, of David, so we know where this goes, and it is also an acrostic psalm, with each stanza starting with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So let's look through. This is 40 verses, so I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 to begin with. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It only tends to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. All right, so we have a few things here coming out, especially from Isaiah 40. As we look at verses 7 and 8 there, in regards to verse 2, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. These are very familiar verses in verses uh, 7 and 8 of Psalm 4, Isaiah 40. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That is the thing. We get to overthinking and fretting over the things that are transient in this world, the things that are momentary, and we forget all about the eternal and the better. And as verses 8 and 9 say, fretting tends to evil, and only those who wait for the Lord inherit the land. In Deuteronomy 4, it was talked about where Moses is encouraging the people to remember what their eyes have seen what their ears have heard as they go into the land of Canaan, as they take over the promised land that God has given to them. Because if they forget, and when they forget, God will bring about his righteous judgment. Not that he has forsaken them. Not yet. That comes further on in the minor prophets. We see that. But when we're talking of David's time frame, when we're talking of Moses' time frame, God has no plans to forsake his people. God issues the warning that if they do fall away, as they did at Baal Peor, they will be subject to his judgment. But he does not say he will forsake them until many centuries later when they continue on down the path of forgetting him and doing only the evil and not waiting for the Lord. So we continue on with verses 10 through 20. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little 
that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They will not be put to shame in evil times. And in the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. So again, the idea of it is better to be righteous and poor than wicked and rich because the righteous are the ones who will be satisfied in the land. And it is the righteous and the poor that are typically meek. We have that as one of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That is what Jesus is quoting right here, is Psalm 37, verse 16 and following. Now we get into these things where the righteous will vanish. They will be gone. And there will be nothing of their remembrance. Now this brings me to a point, kind of a sidebar, but really an important point for those who cling to the rapture and the Christians will be taken away and they will be no more on the earth. Every time the Bible talks about somebody being taken away, it is the evil one who is taken away. It is the evildoer who is taken away. Now, this doesn't say that we're going to have a Christian utopia if there is a rapture, because God doesn't talk about a rapture. If there were a rapture that is coming, God would specifically have brought that out through Jesus, through Paul, not bring it about in codes that you have to decipher and try to put together in some jigsaw puzzle without the picture on the box. That's not the way you read the Bible. That is not how you dig deeper into the scriptures. That is very shallow digging, if it's even digging at all. But the wicked will be no more. The wicked will not have a remembrance anymore. And that is what is so wonderful in these verses. Because it is the righteous that live on. Because the righteous live by faith. And that faith goes into the death and resurrection of the Son of God for the forgiveness of sins. We continue on from verses 21 to 33. Again, continuing with the wicked. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, and those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. You shall dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Here we have a lot of things going on here, but the main portion of this is verses 25-26. These are verses that Dave Ramsey quotes often. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. What is it that is the hallmark of the righteous? 
They are giving. And they are generously giving, not just kind of haphazardly, not just, okay, well, I can give this much, but what do you need? What can I help you with? That is the viewpoint of the righteous. And that is why the wicked can't stand it. Because the wicked want to know what is in it for me. If I give you this, what do I get in return? Therefore, we have the verse 33 and the contrast that Jesus has in his trial before the Sanhedrin in Pilate. Verse 33, again, the Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin and before Pilate saying nothing after a while. The Sanhedrin questioned him, and eventually he just stopped answering. Pilate questioned him, and eventually he just stopped answering. Why? There was no further need for his words, and there was no need for him to justify himself because there was nothing that he did wrong. God could deliver him, and Jesus promises that to his disciples, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he could have asked his father and 12 legions of angels would have come down to rescue him from those who had come to arrest him and bring him before the Sanhedrin. But this was for the will of God to be done. Jesus is condemned because you and I stand condemned because of our own sins. You and I should be on trial for our very lives in knowing that we will lose that trial. But Jesus stands in our place. He is the righteous one who dies and is condemned for you and for me so that you and I may be considered righteous, may be considered God's people and be with him and dwell in his promised land forever. Then we have 34 through the end of the psalm. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Here we go again. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself out like he is some great thing. He dies and he is no more. There is nothing left to him because the vultures have circled his corpse and picked everything from it. There is nothing left of him when they are done. But the righteous, the blameless, the upright, these have a lasting legacy. And this is the point we all have as Christians and especially as Christian parents. We want that legacy to continue on to those around us, whether they be our children, nieces and nephews, younger cousins, whatever it is. We want a legacy of people being in the word because they have seen us in the word, that they know that their salvation comes from taking refuge in Christ because we have told them, we have lived that, we have taught it over and over again. And that is where Psalm 37 is so great. 
is that, yes, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold. Over and over and over again in the Psalms, David picks up this theme of God being our stronghold because God is our stronghold. He is our only refuge in this life. We have no other place where we can go and see the great blessings that he has for us. And that is why we dig deeper into the scriptures. That is why we stand in the confessional corner and wrestle with the theology that is around us. Because that theology talks about me, myself, and I more than it does about Jesus. More than it does about salvation from sin. It talks about straightening yourself up and being reliant on yourself to bring about the changes that you need in your life. You won't be able to change your life. Yes, I mean, you can make changes and drop bad habits and stop doing certain things, but it's only because of the Spirit of God dwelling inside you that it makes any difference. Because if there is no faith, if there is no indwelling of the Spirit, it means absolutely nothing. That's been the point of Articles 4 and 5 of the Augsburg Confession, as we've talked about in the confessional corner. That is the point of the Psalms, is that nothing matters if we don't take refuge in the Lord. All right, that's it for Digging Deeper this week. This is Pastor Doug Minton wishing you God's richest blessings as you dig deeper into the Psalms and into the rest of the scriptures so that you may be prepared to wrestle with the theology around you. Amen.